Again. Don't get impressed. It's not, not me particularly that's doing clever techie stuff. It's I doing it on my behalf. But <laughs> Great. A couple of weeks ago, I was preparing to lead an important minister, uh, meeting. And to be honest, I felt pretty inadequate for the task ahead. And as the day went on, I became more and more anxious. I looked to Chris, my husband, for help. But bless him, the more he tried to help, the more panicky I became. I just couldn't see a way through. In the end, I took myself off and laid it all out before the Lord. And gradually, I began to get a thread of how to approach the meeting. And I'm pleased to say that it went really well. But what I was even more pleased about was the peace that God gave me as I brought the situation to him. The contrast between how I felt before and after my prayer time couldn't have been more marked. God is good. And isn't this exactly what St. Paul is telling us in those lovely verses from his letter to the Philippians? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Feelings of anxiety and fear are probably familiar to most, if not all of us. They're natural emotions, part of the package that comes to us as human beings. Did you know that the expressions fear not and do not be afraid occur 365 times in the Bible? That's one for every day of the year. Now what that tells me is that God knows that we do get afraid in life and that we will sometimes feel anxious. And he wants to help us learn how to handle these normal human emotions in a healthy way. He doesn't want us to be crippled by our fears. So this passage we've just heard from Matthew 6, which as Chris said is headed up, do not worry, is a really good way into helping us think about how Jesus would have us handle anxiety. And the first thing Jesus does is to give us a lesson from nature. Don't worry about your life, he says, about what you'll eat or drink or wear. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. God knows how to look after his creation. And if this is what he does for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more will he look after you and me? We don't need to worry about our lives because we matter to God. We're valuable to him, we're told in this passage, and he knows what we need. Not only that, he promises to meet our needs. You know, we can, we can consume a huge amount of energy by worrying without ever actually achieving anything. Verse 27 says this, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And it's true, isn't it? We worry and worry and worry, and it doesn't make any difference. And God would far rather that we put our energies into kingdom business, into things that really can and do make a difference. That's why Jesus goes on to say, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
I really believe that the antidote to worry and fear is trust. It was great, wasn't it, how much Rob picked up on that theme of trust in his prayers. We need to learn to trust God, to trust that he's good, to trust that he cares, to trust that he will provide. And the way to do that is to learn to trust God for today. So our passage ended. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. We need to, need to learn how to trust God for today. We get the same idea, don't we, from the Lord's Prayer when we pray, give us today our daily bread. It's about asking God to give us what we need for today. The Christian life is a life of faith, and faith is a gift from God. It's something that we can ask God to increase in us. Jesus addressed his disciples in this passage as, oh, you of little faith. He knows what we're like, but you know, I don't think he was particularly being cross with them. I think he doesn't condemn us for being human, but he does want us to grow in faith, to increasingly believe and trust in his goodness, his love, and his care. And he's committed to helping us do it. Many of you will know that both my parents have died in recent years. When my mother died four years ago this week, actually, I discovered this prayer written in a card that she kept on her bedside table. Do not look forward to what might happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you tomorrow and every day. Either he will shield you from suffering or he will give you unfailing strength to bear it. Be at peace then and put aside all anxious thoughts and imaginings. After my mum's funeral, as we rather anxiously prepared to leave my disabled father to fend for himself for the first time, I wrote out the same prayer in a card which he then kept on his bedside table. And I truly believe that God answered that prayer for my dad. And really it's saying pretty much the same thing as Jesus is telling us. Don't worry about tomorrow. Trust God for today. And he'll take care of tomorrow. But maybe you're sitting here thinking, that's all well and good. Being told not to worry is one thing. But actually being able to stop worrying is something else, something that I can't seem to manage to do. Help. Well, if that's you, I can assure you, you won't be the only one. So I thought it might be useful if I shared some of the things that I've learned over the years about how to actually handle anxiety, how to learn to trust God better. One thing I discovered was this lovely little verse from Psalm 56. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. And what I love about this verse is that rather than starting with a fear not or don't be afraid, it starts with when I am afraid. In other words, it meets me where I am without making me feel bad for feeling afraid. And then it gives me something to do, to trust in God. 
And as I learn to do that, guess what? I end up not being afraid. There's many a time when this little verse has led me from fear to trust. It's kind of like putting down stepping stones to walk across. Now, there are all kinds of verses in the Bible that can help us learn to trust. Those ones we had from Philippians are another example. So if you find that you're a bit of a worrier, why not memorize some verses like these? Then the Holy Spirit can bring them to mind when you need them. Then another thing to recognize is that some personalities are more prone to fear than others. Some of us are more naturally cautious and fearful than others. For example, did you know that there are some people who, when entering a place, need to know how how they can get out before they can relax? It's true. Somebody was telling me that in the week. A few weeks ago, I went away to Amadown, a Christian retreat centre in Somerset. When I was shown to my bedroom, it was on the first floor of an annex, and the girl who showed me casually pointed pointed to a knotted rope in my neighbour's room. The escape route, in case of an emergency, was out of the window and down the rope. (laughs) Well, I have to say, I laughed till I cried. (laughs) And if I thought there was any serious risk of a fire, I'd have gone to bed that night extremely anxious, I can tell you. I just couldn't quite see myself shimmying down a rope ladder. (laughs) I really couldn't, it was so funny. Every time I thought about it, I laughed. I know. <laughs> I think I'd have had a pass to heaven quickly. <laughs> Finding coping strategies to help us handle our worries and fears can be a really good thing to do. And one that I found useful a few years ago when I was grappling with a very deep rooted fear, which I didn't really understand, was to develop a strategy of scoring my fear. So at any given time, giving it a score between 0 and 10. And then stopping and making a note of what it was that had gone on to influence how I was feeling. What was it that had triggered my feeling at that moment? Was it a specific feeling about something? Was it a more generalized anxiety? How would I describe what I was feeling? Was it anxiety, worry, fear, or panic? On the Richter scale of 1 to 10, how disturbed was I? And why? What was helpful about this was that the more I understood my feelings, the easier it became to give them to God. To be able to put aside all anxious thoughts and imaginings, like that prayer said, and to learn to trust. Some of you may be familiar with the book that was published a few years ago called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. But again, that's another of those things that can be easier said than done, can't it? Feel the fear and do it anyway. And sometimes we don't have any choice about it. I have a dear friend who for many years struggled with a particular fear, at times feeling really crippled by it. And then her worst fear was realized. This thing did happen to her. It was really, really hard. But actually, as she lived through this experience, as she felt and confronted her fear head on, she began to find the fear losing its hold. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And she said to me recently, actually, I don't really worry anymore. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God good? 
I know that there were various coping strategies that my friend put in place to help her with this. And one of the main ones was this prayer. Some of you may know it. It's called the prayer of serenity. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It's a great little prayer, isn't it? The sort of prayer that I know God delights to answer. Then lastly, there are things that for some of us, maybe many of us, have experienced which can predispose us to fear. Experiences of trauma, deprivation, or abuse. Things that happened in childhood or adulthood that threatened our safety, security, and well-being. Leaving us vulnerable to a whole host of fears and anxieties that we may have very little conscious understanding about. My very first experience of life was of nearly dying during birth. And this meant that the threat and fear of death was woven into the very fabric of my being and was reinforced by something that happened a few years later. I grew up, became a Christian, but I had no real conscious understanding of this fear. However, at an unconscious level, I was really quite crippled by it. Until the Lord began to help me understand how my feelings and struggles in the present time were influenced by my past experiences. And as I slowly identified the root causes of my fears, acknowledging and facing the truth, I began to find freedom. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And a really important part of this was meeting Jesus in it. Or maybe it was allowing Jesus to meet me in it. The fact that Jesus walked this earth, experienced every human emotion there is, including fear, means that he's able to identify with us. I'm often comforted by the words from that lovely hymn, Crown Him with Many Crowns, that say, Who every grief hath known, that wrings the human breast, and takes and bears them for his own, that all in him may rest. And I remember a really significant point of healing in my own journey came as I reflected on this verse in Hebrews 5. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. I didn't have any problem locating what it was talking about. You only have to go to the accounts of Jesus in Gethsemane to see. But what I did struggle to understand was what it meant by saying, he was heard. After all, Jesus did die. He wasn't saved from death. And then God showed me that actually Jesus was saved from death, not by avoiding it, but by embracing it and by triumphing over it once for all. Someone once said to me that the deep root of every fear is probably the fear of death. And of course, the good news of the gospel is that death has been defeated. It's lost its power. We really don't need to be afraid. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, these days, I really believe that. 
I'm no longer crippled by my fear of death. I can trust God with my life. So whether we find ourselves dealing with niggling anxieties or with paralyzing fears, God's in the business of healing us and setting us free. It may not happen overnight, it probably won't. But little by little, as we open ourselves up to God's light and love, healing and freedom will follow. That's why we always offer the opportunity for people to respond and receive prayer as we worship together. That's why we offer the prayer surgery for people to be able to go and experience deeper healing, greater freedom. Learning to trust, learning to live a life of faith is an ongoing journey. And it's one that God's absolutely committed to walking with us. So why don't we pray together?